Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, you guys. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I am your host of Killer Instinct. Today, we are talking about the unsolved murder of Kelsey Fike. I know I say this every time, but this case is really absolutely crazy. And like I said, it's unsolved. So I'm really curious to see what you guys think about it, what your theories are. So with that being said, let's just jump right on into it today. So Kelsey was born on March 26th of 1987, and she spent a lot of her childhood years and growing up, she lived with her family in Monroe, Wisconsin. Kelsey did have an older brother. His name is John, and her parents are named Mary Jo and Randy. And as far as who Kelsey was as a person, Mary Jo remembers Kelsey as a child just loving to dance and sing and play dress up. She was very charismatic and bubbly. And then as Kelsey grew up and into her later years of life, you know, no one had a bad thing to say about Kelsey when I was doing my research is what I realized. Not one person. It was even known that Kelsey's ex-boyfriends didn't even have anything bad to say about her. Everyone absolutely loved her. She was just described as someone who had such a bubbly, fun personality and someone who loved life and loved everyone around her. She was so caring and generous and funny. She was called a firecracker by her family and a dynamite by her family. So in 2006, Kelsey and her family decided to move to Kearney, Nebraska, because that is where Mary Jo's mother lived, and so they wanted to kind of be able to be closer to her, so the family packed up and moved there. And at that point, Kelsey was 19, and she was still living with her parents, and she was just trying to figure out life, trying to figure out what she wanted to do, what her next steps were going to be. I think a lot of people can relate to that. I know I certainly can. She was just trying to get everything sorted out before making that next step. But then Kelsey started dating a man named Alex Young, and the two of them started dating in March of 2007, and everyone who knew Kelsey and Alex absolutely loved the two of them together. And after about a year of dating each other, Alex gave Kelsey a promise ring and promised to always take care of her and to always be there for her. And the two of them actually ended up moving in together. They ended up moving in to a mobile home together in Kearney, Nebraska. 
According to Kelsey's mom, Mary Jo, she said that Kelsey fell very quickly for Alex and the two of them just hit it off right away. She said that Alex was a very good-mannered young man. He was handsome. He was tall. It was just kind of the whole package for Kelsey and she was so excited because she felt like she finally found her person. So like I said, the two of them move in together. They move into this mobile home and the mobile home was kind of hidden off to the side on the main street of Kearney, Nebraska. And Kelsey was so excited to move in with Alex. She felt like her life was finally coming together because not only was she moving in with Alex, but she was soon to be starting a brand new job. So she kind of felt like everything was falling into place. You know, everything was going good. But unfortunately though, that all changed on the early hours of June 17th, 2008. So let's talk about June 16th before we get into June 17th. So June 16th started out as a relatively normal day for Kelsey. She went to work. She was working at the local mall at that time and she got home at about 5.30 p.m. that night and then at about 9 o'clock p.m. that night, she decided to take her dog for a walk. And I wanna talk about her dog for a second because this kind of comes into play later. So Kelsey and Alex had a basset hound named Dante and this dog was super protective and possessive over Kelsey. He was super protective of Kelsey in particular and he was always barking at anyone. It didn't matter who it was. If anyone came into their house or around their little area, he would start barking and he was a basset hound so you could hear him bark. He wasn't just like a little yapper in the corner. Like you could hear this dog bark. So Kelsey ended up taking Dante for a walk, like I said, at about 9 o'clock p.m. that night, and they didn't live in the best area by any means, but Kelsey never felt worried or afraid or unsafe. And like I said, she had Dante, who was always very protective of her, so she never felt too worried about it. The one thing that was different, though, about June 16th is that Alex was out of town this day. He had actually gone out of town on June 5th, because he was on an annual work trip to train out of state with the Kearney, Nebraska Army National Guard unit. So he was not home during this time and he hadn't been home for the past 10-ish days at this point. And whenever Alex did go out of town, Kelsey would typically go and stay with her parents at their house instead of staying at her mobile home by herself. She just would go and stay at her parents' house. They lived fairly close to each other, so it was no real big deal. But on this particular trip, Kelsey did decide to stay at her home by herself. And she did that because she had a trip coming up. She was leaving in about three days. Her flight was scheduled for June 20th because she was planning on going and visiting her best friend. So she was planning on leaving in three days. So she just decided, you know what, I'm gonna stay home, I'm gonna pack and kind of get organized before leaving in the next couple days. Mary Jo did say that she spoke with Kelsey that night and Kelsey seemed completely fine and nothing seemed out of the ordinary, nothing seemed off. And they ended that conversation like they always did by saying, I love you, I'll talk to you tomorrow. But unfortunately that never ended up happening. The last known person to ever hear from Kelsey is Alex because she had actually sent him a text message in the early morning hours of June 17th. It was about one o'clock in the morning and she had texted Alex. I wasn't able to find out what the text had sent, but that was the last known person that she was known to speak to. 
At about 4.30 in the morning on June 17th, police and firefighters were called to Kelsey's mobile home because her home had burst into flames. This wasn't just any small house fire, if that even exists, but it was a giant fire that completely erupted Kelsey's home entirely into flames, and the flames were so bad that police had to tell neighbors, you know, stand back, stay back. They couldn't get within a certain perimeter of it. And unfortunately, by the time they were able to put the fire out, it had been too late and Kelsey, as well as her basset hound dog, Dante, were found dead in her mobile home. At first, police were very much treating this like an accidental fire. You know, they thought that maybe something just caught on fire by accident and Kelsey unfortunately wasn't able to get out in time. However, when police started to look further into what exactly happened that night, they realized that this was no accident at all. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. So after Kelsey's parents had been broken the news about her death, Randy, Kelsey's father, had actually come forward to police and he said, you know, Alex, Kelsey's boyfriend, had told me one time that the furnace in their house, in their mobile home, was faulty. It was defective. It wasn't working. And so they thought that maybe because of the furnace, there could have been a fire started by it and that the fire could have been caused by this broken and defective furnace. So after the fire had been put out and police were able to get into the mobile home and kind of start their investigation process, they found Kelsey's body in the back master bedroom. That is where her body was found. Dante was found in the living room. And what they noticed very quickly about Kelsey's body is that there were not severe burns on her. You would think that being caught in this massive fire that her body would be very severely burned, but that wasn't the case whatsoever. And that was very alarming to police because they didn't really understand why that would be the case. And then they thought, well, maybe she had died and her cause of death was from the smoke inhalation. She inhaled too much smoke, but that wasn't the case either. When Kelsey's body was thoroughly examined, the police were absolutely shocked because when Kelsey's body was examined, it was found that she had bruising all on her arms and her stomach, her nose had been broken, her face had been smashed in, as well as she had blunt force trauma to the back of her head. Along with that, she had been manually strangled and had also been strangled with some sort of rope or cord or something like that. So now that this new information came out, the thought of a accidental fire completely went out the window because it was very clear now that the police were dealing with a homicide investigation. 
in that the fire was just used to cover up the murder and make it look accidental when it wasn't whatsoever. Firefighters were able to figure out that the fire was started by a laundry basket full of clothes that was next to Kelsey's bedroom wall. So whether someone had poured gas into the laundry basket and then lit a flame or struck a match or something like that, they were able to determine that that is where the fire had originally started. So obviously, the first thing that police are going to do in this situation, as they do for most situations that we've seen, is they look at the person that's closest to the victim. And in this case, that was Alex Young, Kelsey's boyfriend. And what I found very interesting about when the police said that they interviewed Alex, they said that it took them an hour to rule him out because he was not there. He had an alibi that he was gone and off on this work trip. So they were able to easily rule him out within an hour. And, you know, like I said, in the Dulce case that we talked about, you know, you never want to assume that the person closest to them could ever possibly do something like this. But it definitely was odd and bizarre to me that the fact that the police were able to rule him out so quickly. Now, does that mean that they know something that I probably don't? That's probably the case. But I just found it a little odd. You don't really hear about that, that happening so quickly. As far as evidence goes, it was very difficult for police to collect any evidence because whatever evidence was there was either hosed down by the firefighters or it was burnt in the fire. So there really wasn't that much evidence to work with. Something, though, that police were kind of quick to notice was the location of Kelsey's mobile home. Where Kelsey's home was was kind of tucked behind these business buildings, meaning that it was not in plain sight to where someone would just point at it and be like, I want to go into this one. It was very much hidden, and you wouldn't know it was Kelsey's mobile home unless you knew that it was Kelsey's mobile home, if that makes sense. Like you wouldn't have known where her home was unless you knew exactly where she lived, unless someone told you or she told you or you had the exact mobile home number that she was. It wasn't like it was a crime of opportunity or at least police didn't see it as a crime of opportunity considering the fact that her mobile home was so hidden from the rest of them. It seemed very much like you would have had to have known that this was her home and where exactly it was located, if that makes sense. Police also found that there was no forced entry. There didn't seem to be any forced entry, but the one thing that they did figure out is that both of Kelsey's front and back doors were unlocked, and I found that a little odd considering the time of night that it was, or time of the morning for that matter, considering it was four in the morning and both her front and back doors were unlocked and she was by herself. I don't know, it just seemed a little odd to me. So there was no forced entry and both of her doors were unlocked. The only piece of potential evidence that police actually do have is a surveillance video. Now, this surveillance video was taken from across the street of where Kelsey's mobile home park was. And police have never been able to identify this car because of the quality of the camera. It was really grainy. There wasn't really any solid good footage, but they were able to see a car leaving the mobile home park about 10 minutes before 911 was called about the fire at Kelsey's home. 
home. The exact time that the car left the park was 4.39 a.m. on June 17th, and based off of the surveillance footage, police have been able to theorize that they believe that the car in the video is a dark-colored SUV sedan-type-sized car. They have not been able to find the license plate on the car. They can't really see the license plate. You can't really see anything. It just looks like a dark blob leaving this parking lot. When the coroner examined Kelsey's body, they did find DNA on her body that did not belong to her and they have not been able to identify who this DNA belongs to. There was no sign of sexual assault on Kelsey. However, police do believe that whoever did this to her attempted to sexually assault her. However, they were not able to fully go through with that because they think that she really did put up a fight and really fought back to the best of her ability. She really fought back and it was evident to police that she did not go down without a fight. Police do believe that whoever did this to Kelsey was more than likely someone that she knew. They believe that the likelihood that a stranger did this is more so unlikely. They believe that whoever did this to Kelsey was probably someone that she knew, which led police to really nowhere. They didn't know where to start because everyone who has talked about Kelsey and everyone who police have spoken to about Kelsey, because they've interviewed a lot of people, most of the people in Kelsey's life, no one has had a bad thing to say about her. Even ex-boyfriends have only had good things to say about her, and that rarely ever happens. So before we get into some of the theories, I do want to talk about Dante first second because I think that this is very telling and has been something that I have been kind of going back and forth with in my mind since doing my research on this and that is the fact that everywhere that I have watched or read or any of the sources that I have used to put my research together on this have all talked about the fact that Dante was super protective over Kelsey and that he was always barking and he was a basset hound you could hear his bark he was always barking no matter what no matter who came into the house, he was barking. And no one, no neighbor, no person ever reported hearing Dante bark that night. And that to me is mind boggling because I can't figure out why a dog who is so protective and always barking and always doing this and that would keep his mouth shut when the person that he loves and protects the most is clearly in danger. I just can't wrap my head around it. It just makes me very confused. And I thought about the theory of, even though this is absolutely horrible, I hate talking about animals in danger and in harm and harming animals, but if, you know, whoever did this did go after Dante first, that way he wouldn't bark, that doesn't take away from the fact that he would have probably barked at someone just walking into the house before they were able to get at him, if that makes sense. Also, Dogs are sometimes repellents, and that is something that I have noticed when doing these case researches, and that is, and this goes for anyone, anywhere, you know, if you are walking up to a house and there is a dog that is barking, it oftentimes tends to, you know, draw people away or, you know, make them not want to come in or do certain things, and what I find interesting about this is that if someone was going in with the full intention of attacking Kelsey and they were walking in and then they heard Dante barking, if this was just a random attack, I just feel like it would have probably deterred them away from it because it wouldn't be as quote-unquote easy as they thought it would be. And I know that sounds awful, but I definitely think that there's something to be said about the fact that this dog did not bark whatsoever. It really makes me believe kind of what police have said also that this had to have been someone that she knew and was comfortable with, especially if she's leaving her doors unlocked at four o'clock in the morning. It makes me question who 
was coming over that night? Who was she expecting to see that night? Okay, we're gonna take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, you guys, welcome back. So before I get too ahead of myself, let's jump into some of these theories because they play a part in this as well. So just a quick disclaimer, these are just theories and I think it's super important, especially in unsolved cases in particular, to not leave any stone unturned. I think that is very, very important, which is why I just kind of want to put that out there before we get into these theories because the first theory that I want to talk about is her boyfriend. I know that Alex wasn't home. I know that he was on a work trip and so he was not able able to physically be there, but that doesn't mean that he had nothing to do with it and had no part in it. And I know he was ruled out by police, but there's just, I just get a weird feeling about the boyfriend that I can't really put my finger on. And I did watch Crime Watch Daily. They did an entire segment on Kelsey's case and everyone was featured in it. Her parents were featured in it. Her best friend was featured in it. But Alex was not featured in this, you know, in this segment of Crime Watch Daily. And that could be for many different reasons that I'm not aware of. But as I was reading through some of the comments, you know, multiple people noticed it too. And they said, it's a kind of bizarre why Alex isn't taking part in this or participating in this, whether it was he was out of town or wasn't able to make it because of work or has just been dealing with his own grieving process. I don't know, but I do think that it is a little bizarre that he was not a part of that. It did shock me when police said it only took them an hour in order to clear Alex's name. I feel like it should have taken longer. It, there should have been, I don't know why I just feel like there's something weird going on there and I can't put my finger on it and I don't really have anything to back it up but I just find it bizarre I think that you know we see relationships where they look perfect on the outside but then behind closed doors is something completely different I do think it'd be very interesting to see the last text messages that were exchanged between Alex and Kelsey and I'm sure police have gone through that and looked through that as well so they definitely probably are way more well-informed than we are as the public just looking into this. But again, I just think it's really important to not leave any stone left unturned. Just because he himself is out of town does not mean someone that he knows or someone that he hired could have done something to Kelsey. I think that the time of night that this all happened is very telling as well. I think that the four o'clock in the morning, leaving both of your doors unlocked, who were you expecting to come inside? You know, I just think that it's a little bizarre and that makes me wonder who was she expecting that night i just feel like you don't leave your doors both of them unlocked at four o'clock in the morning i don't know maybe i'm just paranoid but i just have a weird feeling about that the second theory here that is possible is that this was just a random attack and that someone saw an opportunity and took it someone saw kelsey walking dante at nine o'clock at night and took that opportunity and has gone away and we haven't figured out who that person is yet she did work 
out the mall. She was seeing people all day, every day through her shifts. So whether or not someone was stalking her or reached out to her, or we don't really know, but there very well could have been someone that was following her and she just wasn't aware of it. And then they just decided that they were finally going to do something about it. Something that I saw in the comments of the Crime Watch Daily segment that kind of was a little bit interesting to me was what if the person that murdered Kelsey was a jealous ex-girlfriend of Alex's? And there was a whole comment thread section of this on the Crime Watch Daily segment. And it really got me thinking, you know, she wasn't sexually assaulted, but does that prove that this was not a man? Absolutely not. But it's just something to note. And, you know, if there was an ex or someone who didn't like Kelsey's relationship with Alex, didn't want Kelsey to be with Alex, it could have been anything. I definitely think because of the severity that Kelsey experienced, the amount of injuries that she suffered, it definitely seems more like a personal attack. It doesn't seem like someone who just went in, blunt force trauma to the head, and that was it. This person strangled Kelsey with their hands, strangled Kelsey with a rope or a cord. They broke Kelsey's nose, punched her in the face, bruises all over her arms. Like, she really, really suffered. So it definitely seems like this was more of a personal attack rather than just a crime of opportunity. And so I think it's very important for police to really thoroughly go through and think who could have possibly had it out for Kelsey, which I'm sure they've done. And I'm not trying to discredit the police at all because from what I've seen on this case, they've actually done a very, very good job about it. Just again, I think it's one of those things where you don't want to leave any stone left unturned. And the last theory that I have is if Kelsey Kelsey was planning on having someone over that night. I don't know who that person could have been, whether it was a guy or a girl or something, and this person came over and Kelsey was comfortable with this person, which is why Dante didn't bark. And they came in, one thing led to another, and things went south, and Kelsey ended up being murdered. I do think it's interesting that no one ever heard Kelsey scream. And I think that if a stranger just burst into her home, someone probably would have heard something, whether it was a scream or a fight or something. I just feel like someone would have heard it and someone would have reported it by now, but nothing has been reported, which makes me think that Kelsey was probably very comfortable with this person. I'm so interested to see what you guys have to say about this case because although there isn't a lot of information, like factual information and factual evidence, the theories on this could go on forever. And I'm really interested to see what you guys have to say about it and what you guys believe to be true and believe to be not true. So definitely know in the comments below if you're watching me on YouTube or DM me if you're listening to me on the podcast or email me. In 2017, a very tragic thing happened and Randy, Kelsey's father, unfortunately passed away and he had to pass away not knowing the truth about what happened to his daughter. And now Kelsey's mom, Mary Jo, as well as her brother, John, have been living every day not knowing what happened to Kelsey. And they're still searching and they are still fighting because Mary Jo says that although she does want justice for Kelsey, of course wants justice for Kelsey, she also wants justice for whoever this person's next victim is going to be because she definitely believes that whoever did this to Kelsey will do this again. So that is all for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. Again, email me at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com and let me know your theories on this one. You can also DM me. My Instagram is just at Savannah Brimer and you can let me know what you think of this case. 
And with that being said, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. Like I said earlier, my name is Savannah and I am your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post every single Wednesday here and you are not going to want to miss it. So I will be back next week with a brand new case for you guys. And until then, stay safe. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.